Hello and welcome to episode 23, 22. What are we at, McMahon? I think it's 23. I, say, I think it's 23 as well. Welcome to episode 23 of Not Your Average Debate Show. We have a um, different format coming to you today as Ryan is off buying a car. Um, I'm just getting back from my honeymoon, which we'll talk a little bit about. So today's going to be more of a talk show format. Nothing super crazy for you, but uh, it's been, Jesus, I think a, a month since we've dropped an episode. You were Maybe. not married the last time we did an episode. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, so, the, yeah, fair. I was not married last time we did an episode. So um, today's going to be casual, which uh, on that note, wedding. Yeah, I got married recently. December 10th was the big day and then jetted off to Hawaii. Uh, McMahon was at the wedding. He was one of my groomsmen and he was very, very, very intoxicated that day. McMahon, how much do you remember? Um, the whole thing, I was far from the most intoxicated person. I have confirmed reports at least two people blacked out. Who? Um, I have an unconfirmed report, possibly. I remember Nat telling me that Dylan woke up the next morning and didn't remember a thing. So That's and then And then I don't know if Anna actually blacked out, but Anna was feeling zero pain. Yeah, no, I... Sh- yeah, I, I don't. When I saw Dylan in the morning, he just was like, "Oh, it was so much fun last night." And then they went out to breakfast, so I didn't really get a chance to catch up. Um, but at one point, I remember looking at you, and you just looked like you were off the deep end. Oh, I was. Let's let's not sugarcoat it. I was feeling zero pain. I had very little idea of what was going on around me. Just I was focusing on the moment. Yeah, it was it was funny, but it's you weren't alone in that thought. I think uh, most people I know or I've talked to, I should say, were on some level like that. Uh, two of my uncles, they both threw up in their hotel rooms, not in the toilet, not in trash cans. And um, I do one, know your mom had a great time. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. She was literally from Friday when she got to the hotel till she left Sunday. I'm pretty sure she was in some form of intoxicated and was just having a ball, a ball. Oh, yeah. I got some stories that we're not going to share on the pod because there's some personal stories, but your mom was having a great time. Of course. (laughs) Love that. Yeah, no, it was it was overall a a very, very enjoyable weekend. I will say this. Everybody prior was like, oh, you know, it's going to fly by so quickly. You're going to, you know, not really get a chance to do all the things you want to do that day. So make sure you try and stop all like all this like wedding recommendation stuff. And I was like, yeah, you're like, I'm sure it's not going to be that quickly. Like, I'm going to be able to talk and do whatever I want. No, it, it flies by. And, and I said to Katie when we were in Hawaii, I was like, I feel like I didn't get a chance to really like sit down and have like a full conversation with people because we were just bouncing from like one group to the next and all this other stuff. So it was just kind of nonstop. Yeah, you know, I had a similar take on the wedding. I thought, you know, two days was going to be like kind of a grind. Like we were up there at 10 o'clock Friday had the rehearsal lunch and then we had this whole free time and then the wedding was going to be Saturday night and I woke up and it was Sunday morning. <laughs> Dude, I remember at one point, like I, I looked at my watch and I was like, holy shit, it's 1030 already. And this is like night of the wedding. I was like, it's 1030 already. Like this is over in an hour. Like, it, like where did time go? Yeah. And I thought the, I thought everything was well executed. Like besides the fact that it was frigidly cold. Um, <laughs> Those, those pictures, I like Katie was numb by the time we got done with like our first look pictures oh, because it was just so cold out there. It was it was horribly cold, but it was beautiful place. Cocktail hour was great. The the bartenders were fantastic, not just because they're pouring ridiculously strong drinks. Um, the DJ, great food, phenomenal. Um, and then, you know, and we wrapped it up both nights at the hotel bar, which was as fun as anything. So I thought from start to finish, it was a great time. 
Yeah. Would uh would you say like is there anything you would think about for your own wedding? Obviously, I know you haven't actually proposed yet to Natalie. Um, but um, for your own wedding, is there any takeaways that we did that you would potentially think about for your own? So this was my second golf course wedding. So um, our friends Ashley and Jimmy got married, I think almost a little over a year ago now. They got married in Connecticut at a golf course. You got married in Massachusetts golf course. And Matt's sister got married at like a venue, but wasn't like as formal as a golf course. And then Brandy had her like reception at a nice little reception hall. So I've gone to quite a few weddings in the last year and a half. All of them have been very, very nice. I think my takeaway is I like golf course weddings because it's just well executed. They know what they're doing and everything goes smoothly. So you just show up, you pay and it's a great time. Yeah, I, I would. The venue was arguably like so helpful just to get everything done. There wasn't like a whole lot that me and Katie had to worry about coordinating day of, which and was what fantastic. I like. Yeah, they, I, they, I watched, they took care of so much. I watched Leah and James plan their wedding, and it was just, it felt like a lot of work to get to the wedding day. Where I watched you guys plan your wedding, and it was like I cut a check and we showed up. <laughs> so yeah, it, it, it felt a it lot easy. less stressful. Which, if I'm planning a wedding, which I'm not. I want less stress. I don't want it to be this stressful endeavor. I want to just enjoy it. Um, but yeah. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Yeah. And uh, I think the smart thing I would recommend to anybody who is planning their wedding or, or having one soon, we have a couple coming up next year in 2023. Give yourself like a day before you go to, like if you're planning on doing your honeymoon soon after your wedding, give yourself a day in between the actual wedding day and like going on your honeymoon. Cause we had Sunday where we just got to kind of recover, like make sure all of our stuff was packed, make sure things at the house were taken care of, all that good stuff. And then Monday we flew out to Hawaii and that extra day in between was just so nice. Yeah. To Otherwise relax. you would have been pretty tired. Yeah. And I like, I didn't sleep the night before the wedding. No, I, you're the, the nerves. And I think, you know, you disappeared to Hawaii and it felt like lots of great things happened that we wanted to talk on the podcast. And it was like, Oh, he's sitting on the beach somewhere playing golf where it's 85 degrees and up in Connecticut, it was 10 degrees. It was freezing, but you know, I have a lot of things I want to discuss today because oh, a lot of yeah. things happened while you were gone. <laughs> All right, start it off. What's, what's the thing top of your mind right now? Uh, top of mind and something we've discussed via text is, and I want to get your take on it, the the, the clown show that has become Elon Musk. I mean, there, there's no which way about it. Like, he has turned into a joke, right? How like, about this? He, he voted himself out of CEO of Twitter. Yeah, and he's like, oh, I'm going to live and die by these polls. Whatever these guys, you know, whatever the poll says is what I'm going to do. Then they say he should step down as CEO. Has he done it? No. <laughs> so he, he has said, though, when he finds a replacement, he intends to step down. Let's see if he follows through on that. I just think it's funny that he put a poll out. First of all, he's running Twitter via Twitter polls, which makes no sense. Um, and then, you know, he, he took that. He wanted to buy Twitter because he felt like far right craziness, like the crazies out there that like tweet craziness weren't getting a fair shake on twitter so he bought them to like bring back free speech and then people started criticizing on twitter and he he bans all the accounts i was like literally that i i think that's probably so this is where there's two sides to that right and and i i can see both sides but i think in for him this looks poorly right is Everybody's like, oh, well, that's what was done to the Republicans, people who were saying things that people didn't like. They got banned, um, right? So, like, you said you didn't like that. 
Yeah, so, that, that happened for Republicans, right? So, like, I can understand for the basis of those people being like, well, what he's doing is fine because that happened to people that we liked, right? But at the same time, Elon came out and said, no, like, this shouldn't be happening. People should be able to stay on here and say what they want to say. And now if you say the slightest thing against him or whatever, like, he bans you, which yeah, is and that, a, and that's politics one hypocr- on one. I guess that's politics one on one is when something happens to you, it sucks. But as soon as you get the opportunity to give it back, it's like, ha, 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 you did it, so so am I. And like it it always happens it's just like oh it's a problem when you're not in power and as soon as you have the power it's like oh well it happened to me so it's about to happen to you it's yeah hypocrisy runs deep in american politics let's put it that way it's so bad it's so bad and like the the other one that i really liked was his whole like doxing thing right there was a twitter account that followed and tracked his jet and he's like, oh, well, that's giving, by the way. That's giving people real-time data on where I am, and you could potentially get me, like, assassinated and all this stuff. It's like, I, I think that's a bit of a stretch. Um, and I also think, right, you, anybody can track a plane. There's other plane-tracking websites that you can go to and see a plane in flight and when it's landing and things of that nature, right? So, like, it's not like that's the only avenue for people knowing where your plane is. So he has all this big fuss about doxing, and that's not even necessarily doxing. And then this dumbass is over here posting photos of where he is, right? He posted a photo from the World Cup in, like, some box. Like, oh, well, you just doxed yourself. You just showed everybody where you are right now real time. You can, like, you said it. You can track almost any plane in flight at any time besides air force one there's there's yeah. probably a plane you can't get real-time data on besides where the president is yeah so like his, his all of his arguments have just been hypocritical illogical let's, let's, yeah he, well, he has he has turned he's turned from somebody who's like a business genius and innovation genius into an absolute clown show and i do still think he has like the innovation in him but mostly because he's just so well funded that you know it's easier to innovate when you have billions of dollars which is coming to question is how rich is he actually now that the Tesla stock continues to depreciate? Does he like there's some liquidity concerns on his end where he's been financing a lot of his second endeavors off of the valuation of Tesla stock? Well, Tesla stocks dropped seventy percent, so his what he's using to margin off money isn't there anymore. So yeah, and it's also to there's there's. They're starting to have calls from both board members as well as some of their largest shareholders to remove him as Tesla CEO. He's distracted. And he's, yeah. he's and I'm sorry, he's I think he's kind of just disconnected from reality right now. Like I just one hundred percent. Like I, I don't know if he just I, I kind of picture compare this to Kanye West. It's like, do you just not understand how stupid you're being? Like, I, I just don't get it. Yeah, it's like he doesn't have the ability to take a step back and do some retroflective uh, thing. Yeah, and I and think it's, it's because he's surrounding himself by loyalists, and it's just people aren't telling him he's wrong, and he's just going about his business. So watch um, – me and Katie just watched this last night. It's uh, Glass Onion, a Knives Out movie. It's on Netflix right now. Um, in it, there's like a central character who's a billionaire who's like part of this murder mystery. But basically, it he's just such an idiot and like thinks everybody's going to do what he wants because he's a billionaire. And then Katie told me today she read like an article or something or saw somewhere that like that character is supposed to be Elon Musk. And it's like, oh, it makes a lot of sense because he's a dumbass. It does make a lot of sense. And he is a dumbass. Yeah. <laughs> like pure dumbass. So another thing I want to talk about, at least that it caught my attention, was you were in Hawaii for the end of the World Cup. Um, Pele obviously died yesterday. Um, soccer feels like it's just in the spotlight from this for like what's been the better part of a month and a half. Did you get to watch the end of the World Cup? Did you not? Um, what did you think? I thought, you know, the World Cup was a resounding success. I thought it was great for Messi to finally get that t- trophy. 
Um, and now, you know, I just feel like all I hear about is soccer 24 seven now. Yeah, no, I, I, I was watching it. It was on and all like the bars and stuff. So it definitely, you know, did not miss any while I was in Hawaii. Uh, I, was, I think I was actually watching the championship game. And I remember hearing like other rooms around me in the hotel, like cheering as they watched and stuff. So uh, I did get to catch it. Um, I think, yeah, I'd agree. And I think a lot of people are in agreement that this from a game's perspective has been, you know, the best World Cup of like the last 50 years. Uh, Can I say something? Before I let you keep going with your thought, yeah, I, I saw an interesting statistic that the most this was the, the World Cup with the most goals scored. I think it was like 176. And throughout the entire World Cup, I felt like all I watched was zero zero draws. <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, there's been a lot of talk and a lot of opinions on the refing and how quick they were to get penalties in this World Cup and how some of the penalties were a little bit more one-sided to one team. Uh, specifically, a lot Part of, of that is VAR, too, though. Yeah, but a lot of people called out, like, Argentina, Messi basically had a goal a game because they were getting a penalty a game, and he was the penalty taker, right? So it's like there, there's a little bit of debate about, you know, how is this refed, but overall I think the, the vast majority of people say that the games that were played in this World Cup were very engaging, were very good, like nothing was like an absolute blowout. The teams that you expected to be dominant weren't necessarily – you know, bludgeoning people to death. Like you had a lot of upsets early on in the group stage. So I, I think a lot of people loved this World Cup. And I think it's funny because I remember when the World Cup first started, Costa Rica was playing Spain and Spain was putting a beat down on Costa Rica. They were up like 5 nothing. You said, why aren't they calling off the dogs? And I was like, hey, this is the World Cup. Every goal is going to count. And it ended up Spain moving through because of that beat down they gave Costa Rica because they had such a the goal differential. So, you know, so many of the favorites, like Belgium and Germany, Italy didn't even participate. Like, this was as wide open as I can remember it. And the fact that Croatia, this small little country in Europe, continues to be good is fascinating. Um, yeah, they, they just have a lot of talent coming out of there right now. But it's fascinating because, like, you think about the countries that are good. Argentina, Brazil, France. These are big countries. Germany, like, big countries, 80, 90 million people plus, sometimes more, like, in Brazil. Croatia's got, like, it's like 9, 10 million people total. It's this tiny little country and they kick ass at soccer. <laughs> I mean, that that's, I think that's also a, a symptom of having a focus on it, right? Like having a big youth system that focuses on, you know, soccer. Um, I'm sure if I think soccer or football, right, depending on where, where you're listening to this in the world um, is becoming bigger in the U S but I don't think we're ever going to have a youth system or a youth focus on it like the rest of the world does, which is largely going to inhibit us. Though I yeah. think we, we did pretty well this year, um, all things considered. And a lot and of young guns. A lot of young, a lot of young guys. That are playing overseas, which I think is going to be the difference for us in future World Cups. If we can continue to get talent to play overseas, I think we're going to see a lot more success on the country level. I agree. So, you know, I've had two topics. Have, is there anything that you you know, while you were in Hawaii, that's come to mind that you wanted to bring to the pod that we just haven't been able to? Honestly, I, I think for me, it was just such a reset. I haven't thought about much, <laughs> if I'm being honest. It was, <laughs> it was like just being there was so relaxing. I, I would strongly recommend anybody go to Hawaii. Um, from Boston, it was a 10-hour direct flight, which was super, super easy. Which island um, did you like better? That's tough, right? Because Oahu, we got to explore a little bit more of the island because we rented a car for two days and drove around. And so, like, we saw a bit more of that. Maui, we just stayed in um, the Lahaina area, which is on the west side. Um, so, like, 
it's tough. I think I lean Oahu because I really, really love the resort there. Um, we stayed at Aulani, which, you know, we are Disney people here. It's a Disney resort. So it was just so well done, beautiful lagoon, like calm water. So I was just in the water all day. Whereas Maui, we did do a bit more exploring of like the local town, Lahaina. And, and it was awesome to just kind of see like the Hawaiian town and talk to a bunch of locals. We also did surfing there, which was super, super fun. And Katie was very, very good at it. Um, and snorkeling. So, so like I liked the islands for different things. Uh, I think Oahu and where we were staying there, which was the Kolina area, much more relaxing, like beautiful beach, like actually it was in the water a lot to enjoy it. Maui, I also think when we were there at the start, there was a big storm. So it was kind of rough waters for like two days. Um, I think some of the activities we did in Maui were a bit better. So it's tough to say. And like both have such big positives. But long story short, a trip to Hawaii is good no matter what and no I matter where you that. go. Yeah, I told you we should do a golf trip out there. It's I like, mean... If it's it wasn't a 10-hour flight... Oh, my God. Shut up. It's not that bad. I literally played Pokemon on Nintendo for, like, eight Fair hours enough. and then slept for, like, an hour, and then we were landing. It's not that bad. All right. You know, I mean, I want to go to Hawaii. Don't get me wrong. Um, I just, you know, I am I have a hard time flying to Florida because I'm just like, get me off this plane. Like, I'm tired of sitting here. Um, But I do. I think a, a trip to Hawaii is absolutely warranted just because you sent us some photos of you golfing, and I was like, man, that golf course looks stunning. Like, oh, I was yeah. there. Absolutely unreal. I will say, actually, this kind of, you know, talking about the travel out to Hawaii and stuff brings up something that has happened recently in the U.S., which is the absolute meltdown of Southwest Airlines. Have you been following that at all? I have, and I have a lot to say. Um, they're, they had the perfect storm of, of hell. So they rely on that point-to-point model where they fly a plane in, and then that, they're flying that plane right back out somewhere else. And so as soon as one plane gets canceled, that trickles down to, like, five other locations. So that happening, having a staffage shortage where they just don't have enough staff either, coupled with the fact that they have outdated and antiquated IT systems, just was like this perfect three-pronged storm of death. Like, I mean, I've never seen something so just comp- – I mean, that that to me equals almost like the banking meltdown of 2007 where things just – there was no, no stopping it. It was just 5,000 flights a day, 6,000 flights a day, and people – you see these photos from these airports, and it's just lines of people, luggage – not even there, there, too much luggage. Like, it was chaos. Great chaos. Yeah, I, like, and so I, I've followed a couple threads from, like, people who work for Southwest. And it wasn't even necessarily, like, a staffing issue. Like, they were they were saying and, like, tweeting and videoing real time, like, staff was there. Staff was ready to Well, there was go. no planes. There's yeah, no planes. they couldn't get to the planes. And then the software that's supposed to kind of direct, like, what, you know, what plane that is there goes where wasn't running. So they had planes on the ground in many of these airports, but they couldn't get a location on where to take those planes. Yeah. So like there, there was one pilot who he posted a thing on Facebook and I found it. He's basically like, I want to fly. I want to load up this airplane and go wherever the people on this plane need to go. But I literally cannot because our software won't tell me where I can go. So like the software, I think, helps like coordinate between what airports have open like gates, basically, and would have the ability to send Southwest passengers from that airport to right like to, to what you pointed out, where they a flight lands and immediately turns around, goes some right like that's the yeah. model, like the software wasn't able to do any of that. So yeah, to, and something I think is interesting here to think about, too, is like, you guys got 7 billion, 8 billion for a bailout, like, obviously, I know some that, pay so, people so, wages. that was a little yeah, bit different, a little bit that, different. that's like, but what that's have you been apples doing oranges they the use software. that to keep people on um 
because that money was said so they wouldn't lay off people technically. Yeah. They, otherwise, they would have laid off people. I think way, this is a great story. Years old, like what are you like? What are you doing? Yeah. Well, so to me, this is like a perfect encapsulation of what we've kind of become as an economy. Is we don't predict, we react. So like. Anyone could have seen this coming from a mile away. Like they knew they had antiquated IT systems. They knew their point-to-point -point service model was flawed in the winter in an in era of extreme storms that becomes more and more risky. And, you know, we knew that they had issues, but nobody did anything. And now it's, oh, it all happened. It's like now we have to hold them accountable. But why aren't we holding them accountable four years ago to say, hey, your IT system is outdated. You need to update. So we avoid this mess. Yeah, like, it, we could have done things nuts. to avoid this. Like, you know. We, we see President Biden and Peter Buttigieg coming out saying, hey, we're going to hold Southwest accountable. But this should have been this administration and prior administration saying, "You're this is an unacceptable way to run a company of this magnitude. You need to make changes so that we avoid issues like this. We shouldn't be reacting to the issue. We should be preparing for the issue so it doesn't happen. Yeah, yes and no, right? Because it's not like we all have visibility into these antiquated systems if we don't work there, right? It's not like Southwest is reporting. Well, they're monthly. a publicly traded company, so people they, are they, very. Yeah, but no, like there, from, from, from being on the inside of, of a tech, from being on the inside of a tech company, like the public or whoever has taken us isn't going to be super aware of all of the different tools and technologies, how updated they are, right? Like that's just there not are something people that's in the know in that are aware of the issues that they had. Like in the CEO even admitted that these were things that they knew about. Like they right, knew it. They, they knew about it. They didn't do anything about it because nobody who publicly could put pressure on them knew about it or cared enough about yeah. it at that point in time. To me, it just, it's very similar to something else I want to talk about, which is FTX and Sam Bankman Freed is the reason this guy bankrupted his company was because we have been slow to regulate the crypto world. We, we really haven't. And now here we are where shit hits the fan, it's like, oh, we need to regulate them. It's like, no, this regulation should have been put in place years ago to prevent this, not, oh, it happened and now let's regulate it. it it's the same thing where it's just like we are so reactionary that bad things happen because we simply are too slow to – like we should have seen a lot of these things coming, but that's not how we operate. We're like, oh, let's wait till it breaks and then we'll try and fix it instead of trying to prevent it from breaking. Yeah, it was uh, – I, I, I think – so that that's the point of people until something bad happens, we don't react. Right. And I think a great example of like the national government knowing and potentially being able to do something before something bad happens is when you look at Texas, right? Texas and the power grid is something that has been known about for decades and decades. And yet with the two most recent terrible ice storms and, and cold fronts that have hit Texas in the last two years, They've they've lost power. I think this most recent cold front that hit there, I, I was following a couple of threads again, like 150, 200,000 people without power, nowhere near as bad as what they saw, I think, uh, two years ago. Um, but nonetheless, right, like that's something that already is federally regulated, right, the power grid and power system. But they have just done nothing to try and kind of beef it up or get it connected to the national system. And, and that's something I also think is just absolutely wild. Why, you know, like. The, the fact that you're going to let your power grid just fail because you're stubborn and don't want to connect to the national system. I know there's concern for them about the cost and, and, you know, it potentially meaning that they're going to raise prices for their constituents and customers, but that's already happening right now because you're not connected to the national power system. Texas is bomb, but the, the power grid is a problem nationwide. Like Texas has its own issues because they have like the independent grid. But I mean, the Tennessee Titans had to delay their football game because of rolling blackouts. 
because of this ice storm. Connecticut just doubled the electricity rates from January to to June because we rely too heavily on natural gas. So now we have to pay more. California's is basically starts wildfires every year, and that electric company is on the hook for billions of dollars for damages. Like the power grid is like every state has a problem, and it's because of decades and decades of underinvestment. And it's just again, it's we don't predict or at all we react. So now we yeah. have these issues, and here we are, back up against the wall. What do we do? It's it's almost like it's that old saying if hey if it's not broke don't fix it it's like they set up the power grid saw that people had electricity and i was like yeah all right it's fine let's walk away from it and go do something else now which is i mean change. i'm and i feel like i'm picking on the united states which is unfortunate but you look at everything we do and nothing is planned it's all just like oh this sounds good in the moment so we do it so you look at the interstate system i mean it wreaked havoc like obviously the interstate system is great but it wreaked havoc on cities because they just divided cities by putting these massive cement interstates right down the middle of them. You look at urban sprawl, which is rampant in the United States, where we don't, you look at a lot of our more developed cities now, like Phoenix, LA, Charlotte, Nashville, they, they don't have the same grid system of a Chicago, New York, San Francisco, like those older cities or even Houston. They're all just like, it's just some hodgepodge of development. And it it's crazy. Like you look at cities in like Europe and Asia, they're still very dense. Ours just spread out. They go as far as the eye can see. And that's actually problematic when it comes to environmental climate change, where it's there's these issues that come with urban sprawl where it costs more to it puts more strain on the electric grid. It puts all these issues, it costs more to get utilities to people. Like we we are so such a one off country. We're just like, hey, we gotta do this. So we do it. But we don't plan how we do it. We just react. Yeah. No, I'd agree. Um now, McMahon, you typically have a lot to say, a lot to think about. Give us one more topic for today, and we'll run it out. Okay, one more topic for today. So do you want – I guess we've talked a little bit about business. We've talked a little bit about politics. We haven't really touched on the craziness of COVID-19 running rampant in China where they did the most abrupt of abrupt U-turns of all time. So China, for the better part of the last three years, was trying to stamp out COVID everywhere they went. Like they, they had zero tolerance for COVID. Um, then about a month ago, they had those mass protests where somebody had died in a house fire and they weren't able to get rescue services because of zero COVID. And the government said with no preparation said, fuck it, just run wild. And they just went from zero COVID to all out COVID in the blink of an eye, completely unprepared. Their hospitals are overrun. And there's according to some reports, there, there's over a million COVID cases per day in the country of China now. And I just think it's interesting because for the longest time, Xi Jinping, who's the president of China, basically stamped his credibility to how he was better than the West because of zero COVID. And now he said they just dropped it completely. And they're, they're in one month are going to accumulate about the same amount of COVID cases that the United States has had to date in three years. Yeah. And I think a, a problem or a part of that, too, is and I unfortunately hate to think this way, but because we ease so quickly with what people were allowed to do, right? Like a lot of people kind of got through it. They, we all know once you get it once or twice, the likelihood to get it again, not high. There are some obviously cases where people have had it four or five times. Um, but I think because they went such an, into such a major lockdown, uh, you didn't really allow your system to build that up. Couple that with- Nobody's I, had it. Couple, yeah, couple that with the fact that, you know, people are still getting COVID in the US. Let's not say that, that you know, we're, we're any By different. 
I think a big difference here, though, is China has such a heavy focus on actually testing for it regularly. Not anymore. That, they just dumped it completely. Well, then how are they reporting millions of cases, Kyle? They're, They're not. That's the whole thing. Is That's why, you know, a couple of days ago, the United States announced that you have to test negative from China before you get into the United States is because the government has pretty much given up on testing. They they just aren't going to do it anymore. They're not going to report on it because it's just so rampant. Well, OK, so. All right. Let me, let me, let me kind of rephrase where I was at. Yes, they've dropped it. But the reason why they saw the increase is because they were focused on frequent testing. Whereas here, people just take a home test. And like, if you have it, great, I lay low for a week. Like, there's no system where I report that home test somewhere to actually put it into yeah. a real like number, right? Like, I think that's a big difference, too, of why their numbers are so crazy. And obviously, like you just point out, they're not going to do any more. But I think the number, the reason why you saw that uptick so crazily is because, yes, it's happening, right? It obviously has to happen. But because they have such a heavy emphasis on reporting it, whereas here, it's still happening, but we don't necessarily know the scale because at-home tests are so common, and if you ha- take an at-home test, it's not like you're going to tell your doctor and they're reporting it somewhere. Yeah. Let me call the CDC real fast. Hey, guys. Uh, just exactly. tested positive for COVID. Just wanted to let you guys know. I, I called the hotline. Just wanted to make sure I did my part. Exactly. And, and like, uh, it's unfortunate to think about in this way, but when I think about where China is in their position, where we are right now as a country, is like we accepted, and it's unfortunate that we had to, and it's unfortunate that's where we are, but we accepted that we had to live with it sooner, which kind of got us into the motion of like, doing your own preventative care, whereas China didn't, right? They they stayed in lockdowns, they stayed in very tight security on it, and they, they now are in that phase where they have to learn to live with it, right? Like they have to learn that it's just gonna be there. It's just it's just very interesting to me, because you know, you know me, I'm very in tune with, I guess, world affairs. Like, I guess it's kind of like my bread, I, I just like that stuff. Like I've, I live on CNN, I live on the news, just like reading articles and stuff. So I guess for me, it's just a very fascinating 180 how for three years they criticized the West for being completely underprepared and not taking it seriously. And then in the matter of three days, they did a more about face than anyone could have possibly imagined. <laughs> seriously. It's, it's like that dual-edged sword, right? It's like, yeah, we you know we weren't as hard with it, but it kind of got the population to where it needed to be with it, right? Like it's it's a weird way to say it, but that's yeah. kind of what happened. And, and, you know, and it's just – it's unfortunate because like people are still getting sick and it, it sucks. And, you know, as somebody that's 28, turning 29 in a couple months, and, like, it's just not on the top of my mind anymore, which is also too bad because it doesn't take into account that there's, like, elderly people out there that are still very much at risk. Um, It's just, you know, I just find it very fascinating that for the longest time we were the big bad wolf that just let COVID run wild, and then there they are doing that. So that's why I brought it up. You know, like, it's just interesting to me. That's just stuff that I find very fascinating. I, I love it to like read about it, learn about it. I'm very, oh, I, I agree. It is like seeing how the different countries react to different things and, and handle it is always going to be fascinating because it kind of speaks to how their culture can be. Obviously China is communist in sense, but also dictators as well, where, you know, Jing just kind of says whatever he wants to have happen and it happens. Right. So, um, no, I agree. I agree. It is interesting. Um, but we are at time for today and, uh, you know, Great little just catch up episode, right? You know, it's been about a month. Yeah, you know, I didn't talk to you in a while, so it was nice to get it, back it, on yeah. pod. Of course, of course. So, regularly regularly scheduled programming will return next week with the yep. standard debate style. We do have um, a spicy episode that was recorded while we were all in the lobby of the hotel drunk. Um, I, I don't know how spicy I'd call that. <laughs> TBD if we actually release it, but do that you have one, the tape. So Ryan has it. 
um, in his G drive and he just has to send me the file and then I can, have you listened to it at all? Yes. I listened to it. I've there. heard it's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I know it's bad. We, we had one <laughs> microphone that we were passing around in a circle, all trying to yell over each other. And you know, like it, yeah, it, it's not great. And then you, at one point you went on a rant and then you muted the mic mid rant. And then like, Whoops. so there's just like a, like a probably a minute period of no actual audio coming in. So I got to figure out how to splice that out. So um yeah it, it did not go well but it's there nonetheless we have it oops i uh, people kept telling me that i muted the mic and i was like i couldn't even tell you how to mute or turn that mic on or off it's it must have just happened <laughs> yeah no it's pretty funny but and i but just that, remember people telling me i was yelling at him the whole time so you like were just you made like that was probably your worst showing in terms of actually talking like in, in a, like a, a format of trying to have people speak and, and go back and forth. You just kept repeating yourself this one thing that was totally irrelevant and made no sense to what we were talking about. I have to listen to it because I don't remember completely what it was about anymore. It was it was it was about like in, you know, the little, little sneak peek for anybody who's listened this far. We were talking about the thing with CVS asking for donations oh yeah 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 you just kept being like like, did you go to cvs did you go to cvs did you go to cvs and all of us were like that doesn't mean anything that's not the time like the point of what we were talking about is it more you know so it was yep now i recall i recall that now yeah so that's where we're at but all right wrap it up wrapping it up thank you for listening folks tune in next week